From bloated and tired to free and inspired, welcome to Free and Inspired Radio with Philip Watkins, your weekly dose of everything digestion and mental health related. We hope you enjoy this episode. Here is your host, Philip Watkins. Yes, yes. Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Free and Inspired Radio. I'm your host, a naturopathic practitioner, Philip Watkins, and I'm grateful to have you with us today. If you're new to the show, well, the title says it all. It's all about feeling free and inspired and exploring the many different avenues you can take to get there, whether it's deep dives on digestion and mental health solutions or guests who offer their own stories and answers. I hope I can be the type of guide you can rely on to unlock the agency you have to reach your own mental and physical competency. Let's get started with what's coming up on today's episode. Coming up on this week's show. Episode 13, unlucky for some, lucky for you. Welcome in this episode, we'll be looking at why zinc and the correction of its deficiency or supplementation can unlock your immune system along with assisting IBS and depression symptoms and that brain-gut connection that we love talking about so much on the show. Zinc is undoubtedly one of the most important forms of currency your body needs to pay its bills. And if you're new to nutrition as currency, then you can check out that episode, I think a few episodes ago on Free and Inspire Radio. It's just hard to simplify just how many of these transactions that Zinc pays for in a day. It's considered to be around 300 or 3,000, depending on how you look at it. But let's start off with some fun facts to potentially better illustrate it. Now, of all the trace elements in the body, only iron is more abundant than zinc. Remember that iron is also a significant part of your red blood cells. So if you take that function away, then zinc becomes the most abundant metal-based element in your body. You walk around with around two to three grams of zinc in your body every day. It's in all the tissues in the body, with 85% of zinc found in your muscles and bones, and 11% seen in your skin and liver. And as you'll hear later on, there is a lot of zinc in your brain. Estimates suggest that 2 billion people are zinc deficient globally, with other estimates suggesting that up to 50% of the global population is at risk of a zinc deficiency. In contrast, this is not the case in developed places such as Hong Kong, where this is being recorded, so I appreciate the construction noise, which follows me everywhere I go since I set up my mic, where over-supplementation can interfere with iron and copper levels and diminish HDL cholesterol levels even at low doses. So once already we're seeing that there are some risks to just throwing zinc uh, supplementally into, into your protocol. This potential for regional differences in zinc consumption precisely illustrates the contrast between using a supplement to replace dietary insufficiencies and using a supplement for a therapeutic outcome and testing levels in individuals instead of assuming everyone is deficient. At-risk populations, aside from developing countries, are the elderly, with nearly 30% of the population considered deficient, which is a huge number considering how much zinc does in the body. Vegans and vegetarians, because of their consumption of foods with high in phytates, which block zinc, consumption or zinc absorption. And people who live with chronic diseases and chronic diarrhea, which we're actually going to look at a little later on. In this episode, we're going to be a little more specific, looking at why zinc may be essential if you're struggling with your digestion, immune system, uh, or mental health symptoms such as depression. But let's start off with the immune system, considering it's such a hot topic over the last few years. 
Zinc is critical for the function of the immune system, and that's an understatement. I've often said to patients that the best way to think about zinc is essential for all fast-dividing cells. Now, that's hair, skin, and nails for some uh, aesthetic purposes, but it's also its function within the immune system that makes that a perfect example. Zinc has been referred to as the gatekeeper of the immune system, and I think that's perfect. Primarily, we understand the connection between zinc and the immune system through research into a deficiency of zinc's effects on the body. Deficiencies in zinc affect both the innate immune system, so the immune system component that initiates immediate responses to virus and other pathogens, and the adaptive immune system, which comprises of TMB cells that are more surgical when it comes to their targets. Now, zinc deficiencies can also drive T helper cells to become imbalanced, which is actually an origin story for a large proportion of allergy-based symptoms. In contrast, supplementation excuse me, of zinc or correction of a deficiency can reverse this imbalance in large part and dampen the inflammatory cells that cause autoimmunity. So there's a really broad element of how zinc can affect the immune system, but also maybe affect the origin story of some of these more chronic conditions that we see in the modern day. Now, higher standard meta-analysis of uh, of, I've also seen uh, oral zinc supplementation re- reduce the duration of cold symptoms. Now, correction of deficiency has also been studied related to illnesses such as acute lower respiratory infections in children. And one study in particular found that zinc supplementation re- may reduce death in children suffering from the, these infections in populations with poor levels of zinc in their diet. A study from 2021 showed better symptom scores after three days and higher prevention rates of respiratory tract infections in adult populations unlikely to be deficient. So there's a nice contrast there in developed and undeveloped uh, worlds when it comes to zinc being helpful for acute respiratory problems. This conclusion also suggests that supplementation with zinc can be helpful aside from mitigating the effects of a deficiency. In our new world, zinc has generated some interest in regarding its potential in SARS-CoV-2. At the time of writing this, at the beginning of 2022, uh, there is uh, an indirect evidence suggesting that there may be reductions in risk, duration and severity. A retrospective study in Spain with hospital-admitted patients showed that patients who passed away had significantly lower zinc levels than those who survived. A similar study in Japan also had the same results. Still, both studies had small numbers, unfortunately, and did not discuss the mechanism of how zinc was implicated aside from the presence of its deficiency. An important point here is that an equal chance that is there is an equal chance that if zinc deficiency was present, then other deficits critical in the immune system nutritionally may have also been current, compounding the problem, which may mean that we never know whether it's zinc specifically or it's a combination of zinc and other things that are deficient, such as things like vitamin C. Furthermore to this, the first randomized controlled trial pairing zinc with high-dose vitamin C showed no benefit for ambulatory patients. So we've got to watch this space and see how this one unfolds with zinc. But certainly for things like common colds and you know these more common upper respiratory tract infections that we see in both our kids and ourselves zinc can definitely be of benefit 
I love these deeper dives into critical nutrients and not just see how science has elevated their use so much, but more also to see how correcting simple deficiencies can have such a huge ripple effect on the body. Let's take a quick break on free and inspired radio before we get into zinc, digestion and the brain. Back and more soon. Time to take a break. Are you enjoying this episode of Free and Inspired Radio? There's no better time to take back your personal health sovereignty. If you want to connect with more Free and Inspired episodes, simply subscribe to your favorite podcast platform or visit the website at www.philipwatkins.health for more information. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Free and Inspired Radio. Thanks for staying with us. In this episode, we're all about zinc, not the zinc you put on your face, not DJ Zinc, the UK Don. We're talking about zinc, the immune system, digestion, and the brain nutritionally, specifically in this episode, depression. We've already covered the immune system in part one of the show, so I hope that was a nice introduction for you. Let's dive into the digestion first and see how zinc might be able to help. Now, specifically, zinc is a pillar of a successful treatment for IBSD, and I would say IBS in general. Zinc's role in wound healing, a significant function for the skin, which we won't discuss too much in this episode, has been studied as it relates to the digestive system as a longer-term solution for IBS brought on by leaky gut, which is a term you might have heard of before. Zinc does this via an essential role in bringing the tight junctions of the gastrointestinal tract back together. So these are the junctions that get loose and become leaky. These same tight junctions that are inflamed as well. Now, it's also thought to, zinc is also thought to have a crucial role in balancing out the environment of the small intestine, which is often a place that suffers the ramifications of a leaky gut. Let's look at zinc deficiency symptoms first, as we did with the immune system. Zinc deficiency in its more severe form has actually been linked as an origin story for some cases of diarrhea. Furthermore, post this discovery, it was then found that chronic diarrhea conditions such as IBSD can cause a zinc deficiency, thus creating a perpetuating cycle. This connection has evolved so far that zinc supplementation in developing countries has decreased the diarrhea prevalence, morbidity and mortality, which is awesome. Now, following on from this, the most prescribed medicine globally, protein pump inhibitors for acidity, can also cause a zinc deficiency. So staying with the theme of deficiency here, another major contributing factor to the development of zinc deficiency is protein pump inhibitor drugs or PPIs. Some studies have found that just eight weeks of using omeprazole can lower serum scores due to the action of PPIs diluting the acidity of the gastric juice. Functionally, zinc is also necessary or also a necessary form of currency when it comes to producing gastric juice, making it essential when it comes to repairing the gut and helping you digest your food properly. And may I also say that that gastric juice and its acidity is a big part of your immune system too, right? As we are yet to get into zinc's role in other illnesses such as chronic fatigue and, and inflammatory bowel disease such as ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease, I hope as an introduction you're building a theme here just how vital a form of currency zinc is for the gut and the brain. Speaking of which, let's look at zinc's function within the brain. Zinc has clear evidence around its role in depression. And when it comes to depression and its treatment in the clinic, zinc is the first or second consideration for me. 
We focus on zinc in the broader community and have done so somewhat in this episode on its function within the immune system. But did you know that imbalances in zinc levels in the brain cause changes in behavior, learning, mental function and susceptibility to epileptic convulsions that's all evidence-based as well you can check those references in the show notes further to this studies have confirmed that serum zinc levels are lower in depressed patients when compared to normal controls zinc is also heavily concentrated in the limbic system commonly referred to as the brain's emotional center it's no wonder that along with magnesium, zinc has been nominated as one of the primary nutrients to augment or improve, amplify if you like, antidepressant therapy, especially in treatment-resistant depression, which is huge. An extension of this is a yet unproven hypothesis that zinc supplementation over the long term may reduce the amount of psychotropic medication required, leading to more favorable outcomes and more straightforward treatments over time, which is a huge move, but at this point does require more research. Quick PSA on that very, very statement. This is not a reason to discontinue or change your medication, just some positive direction for the future. If you are curious, chat with your healthcare practitioner about creating a plan that involves using zinc as an accompaniment to your current protocol, especially if you are using antidepressants. Let's get back on track. There are a few potential reasons why we think zinc helps so much with people in depression. Uh, the first is zinc's ability to increase something called brain-derived neurotrophic factor, commonly known as BDNF. And it's a molecule that helps look after your neurons and your brain's, your brain's plasticity. We think adaptability. Now, we have numerous studies that BDNF is decreased in people living with depression, and supplementation of zinc goes some way to correcting this. As a side note to the BDF, BDNF conversation, one of the other things that increases BDNF and positively, positively affects depression is weight for it. Exercise. And I told you in earlier episodes of this show that I will not leave out an opportunity to promote exercise for mental health and depression as well. But in this case, it is really, really, really connected. And uh, I wanted to push that a little further. Now, another potential mechanism as to how zinc helps is a little more complicated, but just to make it easy, let's say the receptors in the brain that help to become less excited are heavily reliant on zinc. These receptors are called NMDA receptors. Now, if the brain doesn't have enough zinc to use to pay the transactions required for these receptors to do their jobs, the brain stays overexcited and makes you feel wired, anxious, depressed, and tired. This is what they call glutamate toxicity or excitotoxicity. Now, I'm going to do a whole episode on how this NDMA, look at me making the mistake there, I knew it was going to happen, NMDA system affects your mental health. So rest assured, I'll do my best to help you understand how important this can be for your mental health, but also how you can test for it in the future. I believe that the NMDA system as does some of the research that I've read to prepare for this episode, is going to be one of the more uh, bigger focuses when it comes to maybe interventions for mental health. But also, interestingly, it might also have some answers and reasons why psychedelics are affecting things, but that's uh, something that I'm not an expert on and would need to look into a little bit deeper. So you've gotten this far, now what? You're thinking, well, maybe zinc might be a good good thing for me. The first thing to do is just get your zinc tested. 
Ask your healthcare practitioner to test your serum zinc levels and see where you are on the scale. As we mentioned in the introduction to the show, developed countries, the diets are actually not so bad in zinc. You may not be deficient, which means that supplementation may actually not be that necessary for you, which is an interesting one considering so many people take zinc as just a basic recommendation or a way to boost the immune system or something like that. But remember, excess zinc supplementation can interfere with your iron and copper. So there are considerations to doing that without really knowing if you need it. That's also the same for some other nutrients as well. So as we push through these deep dives on some of these specific nutrients, I'll try and bring that to your attention as well. I hope this helps. That's <laughs> I was going to try and say something smart there, but I think more than anything, I, I would love for people just to understand how, or at least how some of these nutrients really play a role for you as a form of currency. Money is important to all of us, but money in the form of nutrition is equally more important because if the body doesn't pay its bills, then deficiencies can lead to broader long-term issues and also the origin of a lot of our problems. Now, one of the key things I want to try and reiterate over the course of all of these podcasts that I look at nutrients in, you know, specifically or nutrients in relation to different conditions is that often the deficiency is the problem. Now, things like CoQ10 for cardiovascular disease is also a great example of that as well. And we'll be looking into all of these over future episodes of the show. Well, that's it. As usual, if you are enjoying the show, please subscribe if you're listening to YouTube or leave a comment on your favorite podcast platform. If you'd like to learn more information about my clinic here in Hong Kong, you can find out more on philipwatkins.health or visit the Integrated Medicine Institute website at imi.com.hk. More information about the references for this, there were 32 references for this short 18-minute episode. You can get all of those references on the show notes at philipwatkins.health. You can also sign up for emails where I let you know about new articles that are being written, social media, obviously Instagram, philipwatkins.health. You can go there as well, Facebook and LinkedIn. You'll be able to find me too. For now though, I wish you all a very, very happy week wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And we'll be back with next week with next week. We'll be back next week with more free and inspired radio. Oh my gosh, you made it to the end. This show is all about you. And we hope you finished this episode feeling one step closer to feeling free and inspired. We'll be back next week, but if you want to know more about Philip, please catch a digital flight to www.philipwatkins.health for further details about how we might be able to help. In the meantime, have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, and we'll see you for another episode next week.